the blast from our past network. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? Ma'am, I already said that it was not indigenous. It was a derelict spacecraft. It was an alien ship. It was not from there. Do you get it? We homed in on its beacon. And found something never recorded once in over 300 surveyed worlds. A creature that gestates inside a living human host. Yes. These are your words. And has concentrated acid for blood. That's right. Look. I can see where this is going, but I'm telling you that those things exist. Thank you, Officer Ripley. That will be all. Please, you're not listening to me. Kane, the crew member, Kane, who went into that ship, said he saw thousands of eggs there. Thousands. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it! That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. We are wrapping up our walkthrough of the Alien franchise. Dean is here. He's watched all the movies. Uh, the safety is off on his pulse rifle. He is ready to go. Uh, we also wanted a bit of help on this episode. So we decided to call in a consultant to help out. You know him. You love him. Our good friend from the BFOP network, host of Podcasting After Dark, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and Cartwright presents Curb Your Enthusiasm. He showed up today in full armor. Please come down from your dropship and join us, Corey Stevenson, a.k.a. Wario Manis. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. I wish I had a shirt that said Wario Manis on it. <laughs> that, that We can make that happen. But Add you know what? I, I, I do want that, but I want a talking back shirt first. <laughs> Yeah, we still need to make those. Oddly enough, that's one thing that has slipped our, well, mine. That's that's my responsibility. Another responsibility I've I've shrugged off. <laughs> well, I was gonna say you gave me such an awesome intro, but I was gonna say you can refer to me as Stevenson Matthew C, like Kurt or Jesus <laughs> Burke Carter J. But you know, you gave me such a good one, so I you can just cut this, just cut all of this. <laughs> The cut, the cut, delete button is broken on my computer, so everything stays. <laughs> Damn it. We have no option. Yeah, Corey, thanks for joining. We always love having you on the show. We know how huge of an Alien fan you are. We had you on for um, a previous double feature as we were covering the Alien 3 unreleased script. That was a lot of fun, and we wanted to have you back one more time to help us out with this franchise wrap-up, so thanks for joining. 
Oh no, I it, pleasure's all mine. I really appreciate getting getting the call back uh, for this. It's I feel like I was born for this, but I'm sure Dean does too equally because you know what? Uh, Alien is your favorite movie, but Aliens is my favorite movie. So there's a lot of xenomorph love around the BFOP network. And uh, if you listen to the podcasting after Dark Watchlist, where we talked about armor and spaceships and uh, all kinds of stuff, all all sorts of aliens gear. Has popped up all over the network. Everyone loves loves aliens. So this is this is fun. This is awesome. And you guys have done such a fantastic job going through every movie in the series. Uh, one thing I absolutely love about talking back is that you guys actually look at franchises as a whole instead of just one movie at a time. And I think that's freaking awesome. So I'm honored, honored to be here with you guys. Thanks, buddy. Dean, how's it going? Uh, good. Am I allowed to be dumb now? Is now is is now where I'm dumb? <laughs> no, I I cut over that part where you're oh, allowed okay. to be dumb. We introduced Corey during that time, so now you just have to be normal. And, and I was really dumb, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Thanks for filling in, Corey. Hey, buddy, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, no, Alien is. Uh, yeah, Alien's my favorite movie. I think this franchise is my favorite franchise. I've been trying to think about it and. Uh, Compare it to all these other franchises I love. I'm a franchise guy. I like franchise movies. So I like, you know, I like Star Wars, obviously. I like the MCU. I really do. I just love all those movies. So uh, it's been uh, it's been tough me trying to compare them. Even Mad Max now. We've watched like uh, three perfect movies. Haven't seen Thunderdome yet. But uh, <laughs> so <wait>. many, per- <laughs> you know, so many perfect movies in that series. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is my favorite, though. I think if I had to pick, uh, I'm picking this one. I think if you're putting a pulse rifle to my head, I got to pick I got to pick this franchise. That is wow. That's a bold statement. And as you're talking about it, it's weird. I don't I didn't even think about it as a franchise as a whole. I know that that's what we're here to talk about. And and like yeah, you better <laughs> like get your sounds, shit together, Corey. I, I know it sounds silly. But then I just started thinking, like, where does this actual like like universe stand in my book? Because I'm starting to think like and I've been thinking all day. Do I compare? Is, is it just all the movies or is it the comic books, you know, as well? Is it also the video games? Because there's so many ways that I engage this franchise that's actually not solely, you know, through the films. And I, I know for a fact that Star Wars will always be like my favorite universe. But yeah, Dean, as I'm thinking about it i would probably want to weirdly live in this universe over like you know the terminator one or the predator one well i guess it's technically be the predator universe but uh you know or or like star trek or something i think i love the aesthetic of this universe and i think that's a big big draw for me yeah, man. Chains and drool. That's the aesthetic of this is this universe. <laughs> right. And absolute badasses. Now you guys are talking about two different things, though, because Dean is mentioning his favorite franchise. Corey, you're talking about living in the franchise, yeah, which is very interesting here. as well. I I like I'd love to live on those alien vessels. I love how just raw and gritty and cool looking they are. Uh, Dean, it's funny you mentioned that because. Yesterday, I was actually sitting there scratching my head, what is the best franchise? And I came to the conclusion that I also thought it was Aliens until I remembered a little love of mine called Jaws. And then I was like, <laughs> of oh, course. no, I'm out. No, it's Jaws. Of course it's Jaws. <laughs> yeah. But then it's Alien. Alien is my number two. Okay. Now, do I th- obviously, do I think Jaws is a better franchise? Like technically, no, but for me, it's more fun. I, I like it more. If I had to choose, it's because Jaws is my number one movie. So that's my franchise. 
But this for sure is number two. Now, that actually, some, now I'm, I'm thinking even deeper now. So, like, if we just said movies, like a movie franchise, oddly enough, this actually probably wouldn't be, like, my number one or number two. I would probably put, like, Mad Max or something up uh, over that um, because I think every movie I, am, I love in in its own way, even, even Thunderdome, but it's more for, like, a nostalgic reason. Um, but... You know, with the Alien universe, we have so many comic books and, like, other things to kind of go into it. So, like, if I look at it as a universe as a whole, then I'd be like, okay, I like that. But I think I like more Mad Max movies than I do, like, Alien films. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think if you're talking universes, then it's it's going to be difficult for me to get further than Star Wars because right, that universe yeah. is just so expansive with so much content the Jaws universe is minuscule, right? So you're really only talking about the video games, sorry, the video games. You're only really talking about one video game, one or two, and then the movies, right? Um, that's that's fun though. But listen, about this franchise, it was released between 1979 and 2017 with a combined budget of $379 million dollars this franchise grosses $1.23 billion. So they nice. they did well. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of millions, millions of dollars earned. Hundreds of millions. M- yeah, money man. doubled is doubled money, as you always say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. This is like quadrupled or something. I'm not awesome. De- Dean's the math guy in the show, but this is like four times or something like that. Um yeah, so. Like, obviously, we all love this franchise. There's a lot to love. I One of the things I was just impressed by going through all these movies again and throughout this whole franchise is the quality of the content start to finish. So the we're currently going through lots of movie franchises, Dean. Um, those are kind of unofficial. We've declared officially Predator and now Aliens. And... One of the things that seemed to happen with Predator is I always felt like they tried to achieve the glory of the first movie in all of the subsequent movies. And, you know, you can't really recapture that. So those subsequent movies failed for that reason and for various other reasons. But Alien, this franchise didn't suffer that same fate because I don't feel like they were trying to recapture the glory of one they were just taking what one laid down and, you know, with the various directors, I think they realized let's just kind of put our own stamp on it. Let's tell our own interesting story. And I think that worked just so much better than just trying to, you know, regain the, the glory years of your first movie. So I also love how many different directions they went with the franchise. It was not a linear path. They branched out into so many different just ideas and um and characters and stuff yeah. themes yeah every, everything yeah. just they every movie they kept it fresh so that that's one of like probably the main reason i think this franchise is in our top franchises and probably in lots of people's top franchises because i think it is a top franchise they earned that right yeah and i think like you know 
no matter what you want to say about how you want to rank the films or where Alien Resurrection lands, it's like at least every movie is different, and I have no idea sort of like what to expect going into it. And, you know, it, it helps that the, the you know, Alien to Aliens was, was so different, and it helped that they added that whole, you know, thing in Alien 3 about the, the, the xenomorph taking on a new shape. So I kind of, I feel like they kind of opened things up, and it's a very... It's almost a, <laughs> the franchise is almost as flexible as the Xenomorphs genes are. You know what I mean? It's like it's very flexible, but it's also it's solid. It knows what it's try like it like it, it knows it has to hit certain cues and themes and stuff of horror and everything, but everything else, it can kind of go off and do different stuff. And yeah, like I said, no matter what you want to say about the different movies, at least they all try something different. Yeah, that's that's what I really love about all of them because I never get any movie confused with another one. You know, I'm never like, oh, that what one did that happen in again? Like, I just know because I can put myself in in the ideas of that movie and the themes of that movie. And I can remember, oh, that one happened in this because it fit with that movie. Um, like other some other franchises, I get so confused about what happened in what movie. Like, I, I, I like Fast and Furious. It's just a popcorn, popcorny movie, but I can't remember what happens between five and nine they're all one movie to me like i don't yeah. know where what goes where it's just a bunch of stunts but these movies i know exactly what happens to everyone i mean it helps that i've seen them all multiple times but that's that's what i love about this franchise i think yeah. a lot of credit has to go to the producers who were along for the ride the whole time of uh, walter hill and david giller i think having that team in place they're really able to kind of you know, oversee all the movies and know the items that they want to continue through each, like some of the important themes that need to happen. Um, if you look at each one of these movies, there's rules that are established and then abided by, by all subsequent films. So in every one of these movies, as different as they are, you're going to start off on a spaceship. There are going to be people in cryo waking up from cryo the the people are going to get stranded somewhere they're going to receive some sort of a signal and they're going to end up being completely unprepared for the situation and then it's just death after death after death before maybe you know one or two or however many people survive the scenario and then you know sprinkled in there is whatever the director wants to do with his story uh, what characters he wants to bring in who he wants to kill off but those underlying themes kind of allow us to feel comfortable in the franchise. And even without seeing the movie, the movies all feel comfortable for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and you know, the design aesthetic and everything really helps. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm with you. I like how the franchise grows and evolves, but doesn't really throw anything away. Doesn't really, you know, kind of negate anything. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, because... I say that at the same time saying that I don't like Prometheus and Covenant because I don't like the mythos that it added to the, the franchise, but I also say that knowing that we haven't seen the end of this trilogy yet, so I can't truly say whether it's going to... It may all tie up so well that I could have been like, you know what, uh, this is this is all great, like because... 
I didn't love the Star Wars prequels that much back in the day, but the 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 cartoon, the Clone Wars cartoons, the Rebels cartoons, all these things kind of like really helped me like like get into it and see it. So I can't discount the fact that I could come around on the the Alien prequels just the same, you know. But right now, where they stand, you know, I don't. But I do like that they that they build on on things that are there, and I say they because there does seem to be like a you know, a Kevin Feige-esque thing going on with the Alien universe. They're really trying to make it coherent. Um, the, the new Aliens Fireteam game that I'm playing, it draws on everything. It has shades of Prometheus. It, it has the, the engineers. It has aliens. It has colonial marines. And it has a bunch of lore in it that does expand upon things. And I know it, there's a, a book prequel to it. So I And I know that the, the franchise is trying to become more cohesive with all of its, you know, lore and everything. So... It could all come out in the end in the wash, you know? Yeah. So let's just take a few minutes and just let's just talk about some of the things that we loved in the movies. So any movie is up for discussion right now. Uh, anything you want to talk about. So we know Dean, we know Alien is your favorite movie of all time. Corey, we know Aliens is your favorite movie of all time. So when we rank these movies... You know, that's not going to be very interesting. <laughs> but, um, Corey, why don't you just give us maybe one or two of some of your favorite scenes that weren't from your favorite movie? Okay, okay. Um, so, a- Aliens is my favorite. I love it. I love the aesthetic. I love everything about it. Saw it when I was what eight years old or something ridiculous, seven years old. Um. Oh man, I freaking I love Alien. I love Alien 3. But you know what? I want to talk about Alien Resurrection, two things specifically. I loved the cinematography in that movie. I loved the look of it. I loved how like inky and dark and deep the blacks were. It was just yeah. fantastic. And I loved how awesome Michael Wincott's character is like the the head of the the you know the mercenaries or whatever that team is. Um, I was super jazzed for that film. I I I I think it holds up okay, but it's one of those movies. Every time I pop it in to watch it, I get excited to watch it because. I feel like it does so many different things at that point because there's a huge, you know, a time jump in it. You know, it's so far in the future, you know, past, uh, uh, you know, Alien 3 and everything. They can kind of just have fun with it. But at the same time, it still feels like the same universe, which is really awesome to me. But I think the true star of Alien Resurrection is the the cinematography. And I also liked in that movie how you got to see aliens in the water. I was like, that's really, really cool. And you see that they're very, like, well adapted to be in the water. And they can swim, like, really well. And again, to this day, like, that's one of the few, like, in that movie, I'm just like, every time I watch it, I'm like, that's awesome. That is really, really cool, you know? And we never, actually, we never really get to see aliens swim like that ever again. I would like to see a water-based alien movie just because of that. Oh, yeah, totally. 
I feel like it would be just bad news. I feel like we're not seeing it because they're more agile in the water than they are on land. Right. <laughs> they're even they're even scarier in the water. They're so deadly. I, I love yeah. that we did get to see that because that's a question that would pop up in your head. It's like, okay, what, what would happen if they're in the water? Maybe they're terrible in the water. Maybe that's a way that the humans can use that to their advantage. And it turns out, nope. Nope. They're, ju- they're just as good in the water, if not better. So I, I love that they included that. They let us know what the outcome would be, and then they just kind of moved on from there. Uh, so, yeah. Dean, I'll, I'll throw the same question your way. Outside sure. of Alien, what are some just what are some of these scenes that are burnt into your head from other movies? Uh, yeah, um, I just want to touch first on Corey. I like that he brought up Inky for Resurrection mm-hmm. because those creatures are so black like yeah. they're just like i love how they look they're so black they're so wet too um which i guess they go in the water so uh they are maybe they're wet because they just got out of the pool um <laughs> yeah but it's a dry heat <laughs> <laughs> yes um so yeah scenes that i love so i i love um prometheus a lot of those scenes stick out in my head and uh i just gotta go with uh the shaw birthing of uh, the alien like in in the, in the, med in the pod? pod yes in the yeah. med pod that just one just sticks with me every time i've seen that movie so many times i've even watched that scene over and over on youtube and every single time it just like g- gives me the tingles like every time i'm just like i got pins and needles uh in my in my heart's like stopping because i'm so into it and it's so intense so that's that's one of the scenes that i just i always remember and i i just always love i dude that scene is insane and i yeah. just watched that a few weeks ago after i listened to your all's prometheus uh review and dude i mean every time i watch i've seen the movie a few times every time i watch it that scene i literally am in, i'm screaming like hudson in aliens with the when he's doing the 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 you know bishop's doing <laughs> yes. the knife trick i'm literally going because yeah. i I can't believe what like what's it's it's horrifying, but it's amazing at the same time. It's weirdly beautiful, but it's horrifying equally. Yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on, um, it's Ripley's arc and how well they were able to progress her arc in a realistic way. She is really living in like this dire situation. And if she's going to continue to be like in close contact with these aliens, she's ultimately going to get killed. Like she's not going to be able to survive. And that's what ends up happening to her. I I just think they did a good job of progressing that up to three, kind of having that happen at three and then being able to pivot and do something new in four with her. So Corey, what are your thoughts on the way they handled Ellen Ripley throughout the the four movies? Well, I have a quick question for you guys. Um, do you consider Alien's director cut to be canon? Hundred percent. Yeah, me too. Okay, yeah. so then, so we're taking into account Ripley's daughter, then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And of course, uh, uh, Alien: Isolation, the game, uh, you got to play as her. Um, I yeah. love Ripley's arc. I think she's fantastic. Uh, I mean, just, yeah, you sit back and you think about it. She's just a truck driver, and that's no offense to truck drivers. She's like, 
they're 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 blue collar workers at the beginning. Yes, they're they're smart. Yes, they're capable, but they're not supposed to be like scientists. They're not like like supposed to be marines or something. They're just your average joes doing something and they pick up some bad cargo, you know? And that's it's so and then she evolves from that and then she has to tackle her her fears after she barely survives that event. She has to tackle her fears and the only way to do that is to go back out there, but by doing so, She's never going back to Earth again. Like, you know, we know now by her leaving, she's never going to go back to Earth again. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about it. If, if she if you didn't have the daughter factor into it, you could be like, oh, well, does she have a life to go back to? But you already know that it's 50. It was 50 years later. So she had no life anyway. So mm-hmm. she's like, OK, let me go out there. And I in it's it's the hero's journey because. She knows what she's getting into at this point. It's not like Alien. She knows what she's getting into, and yet she still chooses to go out there. And, and another part of it is because she knows that there's innocent families out there. That's hero like heroism that I'll never know. Like if I survived Alien, I mean that's it. I'm never I'm never going back out there. I'll live with with the nightmares for the rest of my life. So she becomes this this amazing archetype. This arc, you know, this this this. Character character that's just it's, it's she's and she's not a superman as as a like where like she's invulnerable she's very vulnerable which is amazing but she's also very capable and you know you know she's gonna at least try her best to to help you survive or, or even survive herself but none of us may survive but to see a, a regular person rise up against you know the the creeping shadows of space like it's She's basically fighting them all herself, but in such a realistic way. Like you said, I mean, every movie she has to tackle a new thing, but they, she does it in such a realistic way. And even when she comes back in Resurrection, you know, they find a great, you know, just a great middle ground of, re, you know, retaining her, her, you know, humanity while also still being part alien. And it's a fun little discovery process and everything. So it's always interesting, um, but her arc is unbelievable. Like how many other main characters, like movie franchises have a character go through this much. And I wouldn't say like this much pain and suffering. Cause that happens, but like changes this much, like, like yeah. evolves this much. It's, it's awesome. And, and just the icing on the cake is that she's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's, she's, you know, Ellen Ripley. She's, she's a, she's, you know, just your average person. And she's not huge and hulking. She's not Gina Carano or something. She's not like, like, oh yeah, that person can totally like fight a horde of aliens on their own, you know? But like, she's your, like an average looking person. And yet she rises up every single time. And that's what makes her the most like interesting and amazing as like a franchise central character. Dean, I'll ask you the same question in one second, but I just want to say I would absolutely love to see a star map of the distance that she travels throughout the four movies. Yeah. I think it'd be really interesting. That would be cool. So, Dean, comment on what Corey said or or answer it for yourself. Yeah, I just uh, just to sort of piggyback off of what Corey said, I love that she's not overpowered. I just I, I love that. Like it's so it makes it so much more relatable, especially from where we saw her start in the movie that I love. The movie where, uh, as Corey said, she's just a truck driver. You know, she's just driving the ship, um, and there, she's not trained for combat. And so I like that we go to aliens, and it's not like she's the one, you know, picking up the gun and leading the charge. That that that's not. 
that's not what her job is in that movie. In the end, we get a badass moment from her, but it's something that like comes because of another skill she has. You know, I, I just really love how she was dealt with. Um, and I think her arc, for me, her arc ends in three because that's her. Um, like, I like how they brought her back in Resurrection, but uh, the arc ending in three, I think is perfect that she actually gets impregnated by this creature that she went to stop so the worst has happened and she makes the ultimate sacrifice which is herself so that the creature will not go any further so that it will die and it will end there and i think that is such a it's such a good arc for her it's such a hero's arc um for her to end in in three so yeah ellen ripley just uh just absolutely rules and you're right dean i, I think her arc technically does end in three because yeah it's not her it's not it doesn't right. uh, in resurrection it doesn't have her history doesn't have her soul whatever you want to say it's not technically yeah. her although it is interesting that you know she's technically a more powerful human in that one but she's still not op because these creatures are like i mean they're an 11 you know like if we're yeah. if we're a one they're an 11, you know, it's, it's insane to, uh, what the, what they're capable of. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I think her arc definitely, it ends in, in three. It's a nice, and, and you know what, and when you look at it as, as, as a three arc, it, it's, yeah, it's great. And like you said, I'll piggyback onto your piggyback. Like she goes into aliens, not like you're like, okay, d d you know, a lesser person wouldn't have, would have written it that she now is the leader of the fire team. And I'm, you know, I'm leading this charge and we're going to no, it, it, she does doesn't she I mean even in the initial reactor room thing she's she's sitting in the car you know like no I'm not going out there I'm a freaking I'm a consultant is all I am you know but uh yeah. it's it's cool and then she has to ramp up to it and then when she does finally step up she uses tools that she understands like the power loader it's yeah it's it's so good man it's so freaking well thought out yeah and it makes that it makes that part in aliens when she like when she is grabbing the pulse rifle and she's going to go after the the xenomorph it makes that um just stronger that we haven't even seen that yet she's been a very strong character the entire time but not physically so you get this moment where all of a sudden she's got the gun. She looks like a badass and she's walking through those halls. And you're like, this is what I remember. Like, it's, it's what kind of struck me this time watching them, you know, through because we're walking through the franchise. We get to that moment. It's like, yeah, this is what I remember of her being a badass. But we haven't actually had it yet physically up till this moment. And it's it's really it makes that scene just so exciting and such like a, a powerful ending to that movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find it interesting that she struggles so much in an attempt to destroy this creature. And from what we're watching, from our perspectives, in our mind, if she can just do it, they're going to be gone. They're going to get wiped out. But that's just all we're seeing in this small world of the xenomorphs. Yeah. Right. Mean, meanwhile, what you don't really know until later is that these xenomorphs are probably already spread throughout the galaxy or, th or throughout the, their at least their solar system and what ellen ripley is doing is futile other than to you know preserve her own life but it's interesting to have the knowledge at the end and then go back and kind of rewatch um with that information and just know that you know it's almost like what are you fighting for here
I love that point, man. It's just like the biggest struggle. We're watching the hardest thing to accomplish. And it's like, this could be going on somewhere else. <laughs> you know, this could be just be happening somewhere else. It could be done. Like everyone could be dead on earth. Who knows? <laughs> like, I, I love that. I never really thought about that. And that's such a that's such a cool idea. When you're watching the Avengers, they are saving Earth. Whatever they end up doing, they win and we live. But Ellen Ripley beating this creature it might not even matter. Because this was just like LV-426 was just one anthill out of a yeah. million anthills. And, you know, they've expanded, obviously, a lot of it in the comic books. Uh, even in the video games, like the Aliens vs. Predator video games, uh, the it's cool in those games, the PC ones, the Predator, when you play as them, you get some lore, you get some backstory lore, and they view themselves as the elder species protecting the entire universe. And that means humanity, too, from the creeping terror, and that is, you know, the the xenomorphs, and they they really try to build it up that the the xenomorphs are like just this scourge of the galaxy, and they just, you know, once it goes on a planet, you just got to just nuke that planet, you know, because like once they infest. There's no, there's nothing you can do. You just can't. We and we see that. We see that with just these look because we got to take them all as canon. So even though Alien Three, I don't ever quite know how that facehugger or whatever got on on the Salako, but okay, fine. It just goes to show, man. If you just like step foot on a planet that has aliens, even if it's on like the other hemisphere, has xenomorphs, like you somehow like they can just it's just it's no good you just have to burn that whole planet down and just start over because they're so infested yeah Corey, uh since you mentioned that uh how did the pod get on it i know we've talked about this before we talked about it on that episode that you were on before and i was watching alien 3 last night and the pod was there and it kind of sparked my memory i'm like oh yeah Corey hates this lots of people hate it there's no explanation and then I thought to myself, okay, well, how did the queen get on the Sulaco? We never saw how the queen got on the Sulaco. She got on with the drum uh, on the dropship. Right. So why couldn't the queen just have had an egg with her? Hmm. Just have been possibly carrying an egg for this exact reason and just slapped it on and then kind of continued on with her with trying to destroy the, the people. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I also don't think that's a great explanation, but it's just something that I thought about as I was watching. I was like, well, she could have just I mean, as smart as we're led to believe she is, it would make a lot of sense for her to grab one and bring one along. Yeah, no, I I think. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that that would have made sense if we didn't see a lot of shots of her uh, uh, going down the hallway uh, towards Ripley while on LV426 with her hands empty. But uh, yeah, she was wearing an egg backpack. (laughs) Yeah. She had it on her (laughs) back. She she doesn't have the, she doesn't have the sack anymore. Right. So she could probably just lay one. I don't know how fast Uh, it, I don't know how fast it goes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's true too. Do they gestate in the sack or do they actually is, or is that more of a conveyor belt type of thing, you know, and they're actually coming out of her when, yeah. When Ripley did shoot some uh, grenades in that sack, they were pretty yokey. Yeah. Um, So maybe they weren't quite ready. So yeah, Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We, they haven't quite got into the, uh, how the egg is made, but well, speaking of how the egg is made, uh, Dean, this one's for you, buddy. Uh, do you consider Alien Director's Cut canonical with the uh, the cutscene of uh, Dallas kind of morphing into the egg because they didn't have at the time the idea of of the queen or anything, and that the that the people that the xenomorph grabbed were going to turn into the eggs? Where, where does that sit for you? 
I don't like it. Um, and I, I especially don't like it because that cut came after Aliens came out. So it definitely feels like a director who's like, that's not what I wanted to happen. That's not how it was supposed to be. I'm going to release the movie how it was supposed to be and screw up this franchise. So I just don't like that. It's I, I get it. Like you had to cut it from your movie. But like, I don't know, roll with the punches. Like when you get your chance for another movie later, then you fix it. I don't I don't think you release a director's cut that just totally screws up the next movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I do not consider the director's cut of Alien canon. I've yeah. seen it like twice, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, there's a there's a good scene um, with Dallas talking to Ripley about Ash. I love that scene, and I wish that was part of the regular um, theatrical cut. But other than that, I yeah, I just don't don't think the director's cut is. It, it's not my Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I don't me too. I don't like that whole idea of the the person turning into the pod but i i will go against you guys and if it's a director's cut for me it's canon because the it's the director's vision so i'm not going to go against what they're saying their intention was so for me director's cut is always canon it's fair so so do you take that tim into to canon of humans can melt into eggs then i'll take that as canon i don't like it i like the the idea that that's not in the universe better, but yeah, I'll take that as canon. Yeah. The, the same way that I have to accept uh, the egg in alien three as being canon. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm with you there, buddy. I, I get it. I you don't, you don't have to like it, but you got to do it. Yeah. yeah. You got to respect it at least. You got, yep. yeah, you got to respect it. Okay, guys, I want to jump right into ranking our movies. Let's do it, man. And since we already know your number ones, let's just start from there so that there's maybe a little bit of interest going down the other way. (laughs) Fun. So uh, (laughs) what do you guys think? Do you want to do one at a time or should we just do one person's whole list? One person's whole list, I think is good. Okay, Corey, I'll let you go first then, pal. On the group text that I with uh, Tim and Dean, I texted them. I was like, I was like, I, I want my my <laughs> my list to be to be interesting and intriguing, but it's it's so very predictable. Um, <laughs> I go, I go, Aliens, Alien, Alien Three Assembly Cut, Alien Resurrection, Alien Covenant, and then Prometheus. Okay, very good, Dean. It's a good list. Okay, so I'm going to preface this list with, we did this for Predator. I hadn't seen any of those. I was so excited for all those. I had such a great time with all those. My number two movie in that list is Predator 2. Every one of these movies is ahead of Predator 2 for me. So I'm just like, I have this ranking, but like, I love every one of these movies. Oh, no, no. Dude, that's understood. Like, they're all so high. Okay. Of course. So I have Alien as number one. Then, no change. No yes. change. My number one movie of all time. But then I have Aliens as number two. Yes. Prometheus I have as number three. Love Prometheus. Then I didn't think this was going to happen. It happened on this watch. Covenant is my number four. I really dug Covenant. Um, Resurrection is is my five. And uh, Alien 3 is my last one. Is my six. Cool. That's a that's a much more interesting much more interesting <laughs> ranking than mine. <laughs> Definitely. Mine is number 1 Alien. Nice. Number 2 
and it always has been Alien. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Alien, I I thought we'll get we'll, we'll talk about it after. But Alien, number two, Aliens, number three, Alien three. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's very very simple. My list is closer to Corey's than to Dean's. Yeah, yeah. But number four, I'm going Covenant. Five, I'm going Prometheus. Okay. Six, I'm going Alien Resurrection. Cool. Good lists. I really wish I got a chance to watch Covenant uh, before we had a discussion. I again offline. I, I talking to them all day today, trying to find Alien uh, Covenant on Disney Plus, or yeah, I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. And I have the uh, the quadrilogy Blu-rays uh, set, so I don't have the uh, Prometheus or um, Covenant. I, but I really wanted to watch Covenant again because I did enjoy that much more than than Prometheus. But I couldn't remember if I if I liked it more than Resurrection, you know. Yeah, um, that was that was one the only thing in my list that flip flopped right at the end. Yeah, same. was rewatching and thinking about Covenant yeah. a little bit more, and I put it ahead of Prometheus, which I have seen way more than Covenant, and I think is a more fun movie, but ultimately the storylines and the themes in Covenant, and Michael Fassbender just dig it they dig it a little bit higher yeah. for me so and the violence in covenant was awesome if Ooh, i yeah like so good one yeah. girl's head gets like ripped off and then like people catch on fire it's i mean there is all kinds of bad things happening in covenant it's yeah. much more of a horror movie um and i do have fond memories of it like i really enjoyed my time with that film so yeah, dean Tim, can i ask you a question oh, oh go yes, ahead go. you go first you go well, I was just going to say I had the same experience with uh, the Covenant, Covenant Prometheus thing where like Covenant really blew me away and Prometheus is just one I've seen so many times. I didn't end up flopping them in the list, but uh, it was like when I went to uh, I went to the theater to watch the Dark Knight trilogy, all three of them in a row. And I've watched the Dark Knight so, so many times that when I had that experience, I was absolutely blown away by Batman Begins just because I hadn't watched yeah. that as many times. So in that theater experience, Batman Begins was my favorite film out of all of them just because I had seen Dark Knight so many times. Um, so I had that same experience this time going through. I was like, wow, I've only seen Covenant once or twice. And it was really, really good. It, it kind of blew me away. Yeah, Batman Begins has always been my favorite of that it's franchise. It's so good. It's so good. I, I consider Batman Begins to be one of the few perfect films. Like, for me, yeah, that movie I'd is agree. perfect, and I yeah. love that film so much. Now, Dean, let me ask you, looking at your list and the way that you rated everything, mm -hmm. and in the whole rating process, did anything surprise you about how you rated the movies? Um, nothing really surprised me. I guess this is sort of, I, I, I would say what surprised me is how much I didn't love Alien 3, I guess. I thought that in my mind, that was always sort of my third favorite one. That was, and when I watched it with all these, um, I just didn't love it as much. And I don't know what it was this time around, but it, it definitely dropped down the rankings for me. And after I watched Resurrection, I thought that one was going to go way up the rankings because I really enjoyed it. Uh, but then after, you know, getting to everything else, it just slowly kind <laughs> of knocked back down again because I do love those other movies. But I would say the biggest shocker for me is Alien 3. I didn't really expect that to be at the bottom. That's really interesting because that uh, is the opposite of of what I would answer for that question is that 
my surprise was Alien 3. Mm. I didn't think I was going to be able to rate it as high. And yet when I thought about it, it had to get the number three slot. Nice. And yeah. Corey, same question to you. What, what would you say? No, I'm, I'm with you, Tim. Uh, it's it's hilarious because, you know, we we grow up thinking like, oh, Alien 3 is the worst one and this and that. And, you know, when I go back and rewatch it, especially now the assembly cut, I didn't watch that until last year during quarantine because... I didn't quite know what the differences were going to be, and I was always like, eh, whatever, it's just Alien 3. I re-fell in love with that movie, and I am shocked that I have it as high as that I do. And I don't know also, too, what's like how to separate the nostalgia, you know, from it, because, right. I mean, I was there for for the whole hype of it, like, building up. Like, I was reading, you know, Fangoria's and Starlog magazines, and I had a hat. I said Alien 3 and it said the, it says on the back the bitch is back and then I wasn't allowed to wear it to school anymore and it's just like you know it's <laughs> yes. just like I was there like I was there and I was in it and I was ready and then yeah it didn't it let me down at the time but that movie has grown on me over time and now I just have a movie that I enjoy and then I have all this nostalgic interest in it even though you know, my experience watching it when it first came out maybe wasn't as high. And now, but now it's, yeah, it's really grown on me. And I, I implore anybody who has not seen the assembly cut to, and if they have access to see it, I, I really think people should watch it. At least give it a shot, one more shot. You know, if you're like, I'm never going to watch Alien 3 again, just watch that one more time and see what happens. For Corey, sure. that's really interesting. And I like that you got there because I know as Dean and I were walking through this franchise, I know you weren't a fan of three and it's because you hadn't seen that assembly cut. And then you went back and watched it and it just, everything was flipped for you. So I love that the director's cut could do that for you. So, and, and maybe it was, maybe it was sort of a Dean scenario where like I was in the right mindset, you know, and it just, and it was different enough that it actually made me engage with it because I was, it wasn't just washing over me. It felt new and different. So I was like, Oh, and so I actually, engaged it and yeah and then boom it it flip-flopped for me so i yeah it's good old alien (laughs) three i wanted to have um covenant in the three spot that alien three took up that's where i wanted it to go and then i thought about it and what got alien three in that spot for me was that what i loved about alien and why it ranked higher than aliens is because for me, I prefer the slow burn sci-fi. I love what they did in Aliens with the action, turning it to like a adventure sci-fi, but the slow burn is what pushed Alien ahead of Aliens. And then I started to think about it. They got back to that route with Alien 3. After Aliens and the action, they go back to the slow burn sci-fi. They go back to the characters. They go back to the single alien. It's all the things that I was loving about the first movie they brought back in Alien 3. And that's why I had to put it in that slot. And I, I'm i with Corey. I will just say to anybody, go back and watch Alien 3, the assembly cut. I think it is such a strong movie. It is slow as hell. There's not a whole lot going on, but the dialogue, the characters, the acting, the atmosphere, the intensity, they're all off the chart. It's an excellent, excellent movie. I mean, this is like David Fin the start to David Fincher's career here. 
and, and you said it right there, acting too. I, I don't think I don't think Sigourney Weaver gets enough credit for her performance as Ripley in Alien Three. I think that is her best acting. I think it's just it is just it's act it's chewy it's gooey. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she's just like it, and it feels bleak and it feels like slow. And and like you, Tim, I'm I love super slow sci-fi. I mean, my favorite Star Trek film is Star Trek: The Motion Picture because there's like freaking a, a 15 minute shot of you know the Enterprise flying over V'ger. You would never have that today ever. You know. Um, and I love it. I, I love the fact that, yeah, like we're just back to one alien. And by the way, thanks to again, thanks to Aliens Fireteam Elite, I have a better understanding of the scale between like the Alien 3 creature and like, say, the warrior and everything. And by the way, the Alien 3 creature is like the lowest, uh, the easiest one to kill. And yet it destroys all of these people because they don't have any weapons. You know, it's like. Right. It's yeah. so cool. It's very, very interesting. And of course, it's the movie that added the whole idea that whatever they gestate in is what uh, they come out as. And yeah. that's one of my favorite things that, that the, the the franchise does. And it didn't start until Alien 3. But moving forward, that's always been something that's I always found enjoyment with you know i'm i'm always like oh cool if it comes out of a rhino it's gonna look like a rhino and i'm i'm all for that i kind of i dig all of that kind of stuff you know and then in again in the the video game they they put forth that the um the the warriors that you see in in aliens those are the ones that come out of people you know what i mean Mm. and they're so strong they're so tough they're so hard to kill like just one will tear through your fire team so it's like oh my god now i'm like well a whole like group of them are just insane like those those poor bastards on the salako had no chance no chance at all no chance that's cool yeah dean Playing off of what Corey said here, we've got some questions I want to go through. Yeah. And one of them is, what is your favorite added lore from the sequels? So Alien comes out, Alien creates the universe, and then there's five movies after that. What was new in one of those movies that you think is the best lore that got added to the franchise? So, okay. I have two answers because I don't know if the first one is considered lore. So you tell me if this is considered lore. But I love when we hit aliens and they have colonized the planet, LV-426, that they found this monster on. I think that is just such a cool idea. Would you call that lore? No. Okay. I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. So then I, I'd call that sec- just part of the story. <laughs> so then my second one, my second one is Prometheus, where we find out that this ship where this monster came from was a ship that was owned by the creator of humans. Humans, why are you even in space? Humans are in space because they're in in search of answers. They want to just keep looking and explore, and they get to this planet, and they see this ship, and there's this creature that gets on their ship, kills everybody. It's the worst experience they've ever had, and that was on a ship where their creator had flown there. I just think that is absolutely an incredible idea. Thank you, Dean. That's the answer I was looking for because <laughs> I also had two. 
And I kind of crossed that one out because I Perfect. was hoping you would come up with it and I thought you might. So great. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> and I, and when I hear you explain it that way, I like it better. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I like it distilled like that. And, and just by the way, guys, every time I watch Prometheus, I genuinely want to love it. Like I, I sit down there. I'm like, this is going to be the time it's going to click with me. And, uh, and there's so many things that I do love about it. I love how it looks. I think it's a gorgeous movie. One of the best looking films I've ever seen. Um, but when, when Dean and I had a question offline, because you said uh, uh, the lore added to the sequels, and we were like, wait, is he talking about the two prequel movies? So I did write one down for that before we had clarification, you know? And I, I, so I have two more to add. One, I really like what they added to the prequels was hands up (laughs) it's definitely added more definitely yeah (laughs) to this day i still say that i still say hands up love it and i cheer every time that happens in the movie i think it's fantastic um fantastic but the other one that i had was in the comic books um so the dark horse comics spun off of aliens so alien 3 had not had had not it happened so in my head there's a there's a timeline canon that goes alien aliens and then branches off to either alien 3 in the movies or the the comic books and one of the the dark horse series and you know it would never be an ongoing series they would it would be like arcs like six issues here and then that'd be done with that and then they'd call it something else like aliens earth war or something like that Um, but one of the things they added later on was this royal jelly that's harvested from the queen uh, kind of like either her drool, they don't really say, but you know, it's like from them and it can give you like just superpowers, make you super strong and everything, but makes you super aggressive and, and it's like kind of evil. And like, you know, you can, you like, you can just basically get your arm blown off and you're still like running at the person because you don't care, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they, they kind of messed with that for a bit. This like, like the fact that, you know, not just the bioweapons division, you know, it's also the drug market, the pharmaceutical stuff. Like, and I was like, ah, that's, that's interesting because now we're not even like scared of the xenomorph anymore. We're like harvesting them. And then what comes from that? Well, nothing good because this drug, you know, basically kills you. Cause then if you don't die, you'll like burn out or something, you know? So it's just like, I thought that was cool. I thought that was an interesting lore to take, to take moving and move forward with, you know? That's cool. That's a really good one. Yeah. Um, I'll throw my two out then because I had a throwaway um, and it's also from the prequels and it's, it's, you know, like I said, along the lines of what Dean was saying, it's just learning that the engineers, these, these beings that we see in the very first alien movie and know nothing about turn out to be our creators in, in the universe. I, I really loved that, but my number one, and I'm really surprised we've never seen more of it other than in aliens, but it's that when these creatures get together, it's a swarm mentality. They act like the swarm. You only see it in aliens. That's the only Mm -hmm. one where you get hundreds of them together. Most, Most of these movies, it's one, it's two, it's three. They don't really work together, but to see hundreds of them working together. I loved that idea. Yeah. There's a great, Sorry, there's a there's a great um shoot I just lost the name of it in my head but like in Dark Horse they go to an alien planet I think it's the one with the the, the jelly uh, to go harvest more but we're talking millions of xenomorphs and nice. it's it's a wave it's just it's impressive you're like oh my god like you just you just get run over you know and yeah it's it's crazy that 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 visual is insane yeah that sounds like a comic I want to read yeah uh, yeah. Okay, let's. Uh, we've got a few more of these questions, so let's let's get to them here. Corey 
Who is your favorite male character in the franchise? I'm wearing them on my chest, baby. Al Matthews as Sergeant Apone. And I mean, he's in it for the least amount of time, probably like anybody. But hey, my favorite Star Wars character is Boba Fett. So I clearly like <laughs> characters that are that have very little screen time and usually die like in, in, in the first third of the film. Um, but ever since I saw the movie as a kid, uh, I just I mean, again, I was like, what, uh, six or seven years old when I saw it. Just I'm just gobsmacked i'm just like this guy's so cool you know what i mean and just i loved how badass he was and you know he's a, he's a colonial marine which are like my favorite thing ever so yeah it's 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 apone baby great call man i was i'm actually a bit surprised i i thought you were gonna go with hicks i, I thought you were I, gonna go with hicks it might still be there but i ran one of the probably the biggest of the three or four Sergeant Apone uh, Facebook fan pages uh, back in the day. Uh, and it's, it's still up, you know, you can find it, but there's only so much you can do because there's only so many quotes that he has and everything. <laughs> and yeah, like, honestly, like it was Hicks for a while. Like when I was thinking about my list, because I love Michael Bean. Uh, I, I, he's, he's, it's so weird because as a kid, Kyle Reese and Dwayne Hicks are like two one two of my favorite characters. And if you throw in Max yeah. Rockatansky and you throw in Boba Fett, these are all characters that are that are quiet, cool, mm-hmm. and don't talk a lot. The exact opposite of Corey. You know what I mean? Like they're the exact <laughs> opposite of me. I'm not cool and I talk way too much, as you guys all know. But those are the characters that I gravitate Corey, you're towards. Cool. Stop it. Stop <laughs> Thanks, it. buddy. <laughs> But as I was taking the Apone shirt out of the closet to put on for for good luck tonight, I was like, I don't have a Hicks shirt though. You know what I mean? Like uh, I didn't create nice. a Hicks uh, yeah. Facebook fan page. Like I was like, I was like in my heart, it's like I know who my favorite character is. I know. Yeah, I love it. I love cool. it, dude. Dean, same question. Favorite okay. male. Favorite male. Um, I'm just gonna shout out to two and Prometheus. These aren't my pick, but uh, Holloway, just because I love Logan Marshall Green. I think we'd be best friends. Just throwing that out there if you're listening. And uh, Yannick, he's got up. something Come in on. his eye. <laughs> <laughs> he's got something in his eye. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Sorry, hands who, up, who? Yannick. Uh, oh yeah, okay, just another, just another one. Uh, I pick yeah. Hicks. I love Hicks. Hey, Hicks is, there we Hicks go. Hicks is my guy. There's Hicks. That's we're we're why, talking. Dean? Why? Because we're talking about all these. Uh, colonial Marines who are like so, so good, so strong, so aggressive, but they all panic. And you know who doesn't panic is Hicks. Hicks is so cool. Hicks is so calm. Hicks is the love interest, but he like doesn't really do anything to try to get to like to get to Ripley. Like he's just like, she likes him because he's cool, because he's so cool. They have a nice flirty scene. It's amazing. He knows that he needs her. He knows the team needs her. I love this guy. Like, this this is the male lead I want to see in a movie. I, I absolutely love Hicks. It couldn't be anyone but Hicks for me. Okay, so my favorite male, I'm going to shout out to Captain Omar from Covenant, Billy Crudup. I love Billy Crudup in anything he does. Mm -hmm. Just a lovable face for me. And I think his arc is hilarious. He's like this character. He gets thrown into the position of captain. He gets immediately a super tough decision thrown his way about whether to stay on course to an original planet or deviate to a new planet that might be better. He deviates 
thinking he's making the best call for his crew. It's the worst call for his crew. Everything goes wrong. And it all ends with him getting face hugged. Yeah. And there's nothing redeeming about his character. He was so altruistic in the movie and then just everything goes wrong for him. So <laughs> I just thought it was, it was kind of funny. Like I was expecting yeah. more good things for him, but why would you? But I go. Yeah. I, I think it was so funny because he's a man of faith that is trying to overcompensate for that. So he doesn't make emotional decisions. He tries to make very logical decisions and it goes completely wrong. If right. he just stuck to his man of faith mentality, it probably would have been fine. He should have followed his gut. Yeah. 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 But I am going to go with the male who I think is the best leader out of the entire franchise. And I'm going with Charles S. Dutton as Dylan from Alien 3. That's a good, good call, one. man. When this guy speaks, I listen more than any other male throughout the franchise. I am captivated by everything he's doing on screen. And I actually didn't even consider him until very late in the process. I had five names written down and his wasn't one of them. And then I just expanded a little bit more and I was like, how did I forget about this guy? So I'm going with Dylan. That's a great, that's a good, that's, that's fantastic. You know, and honestly, like, yeah, Dylan might be my top three. Um, honestly, Tom Skerritt as Dallas, I, I love his performance in that movie. Um, he, I, I always feel, I always feel safe when I'm, when he's on screen, but yet he doesn't make it, you know what I mean? Cause he's, he's Tom Skerritt. You're like, I feel safe when you're around, but yet, you know, I shouldn't, you know? And I, I, but I think he does a great job. I, I do love Dallas's character. He yeah. unfortunately dies, you know? Okay, so let's move on to one that's probably going to be a little bit easier, but we'll see if anybody throws a curveball our way. Favorite female in the franchise. Corey, who you got? I'm going to go with uh, Dietrich. Maybe they don't show up on infrared at all. No, I'm just kidding. Not Dietrich. She, <laughs> she, needs, she needs to learn uh, uh, trigger control, and uh, otherwise poor Frost would still be alive. Um <laughs> Uh, oh know, my goodness, you scared me for a second there. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, so many fantastic characters, so many strong female yeah. characters. Um, but in my heart of hearts, I know who it is. It's Numi Rapice because I have such a crush on her, and, and that trumps everything and i think she looks absolutely <laughs> amazing in prometheus and is probably the reason i go back and revisit prometheus uh, as much as i do um and you know you yes ripley is amazing yes newt is is awesome in aliens and vasquez is amazing but i gotta go with my gut and you know what i'm talking about with when i say my gut and uh numi rapice baby <laughs> Ooh, she was smoking in that movie you mean just below your gut. Yeah, you know it. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> they don't call me Sleazy C for nothing. Uh, well, uh, Elizabeth you Shaw from Prometheus was my was my runner-up for sure. She rules. I know you She's love awesome. her. Uh, yeah. But it's Ellen Ripley, like one of my favorite characters of all time. You know, it's just there's... We've talked about her arc already. I don't know what else we're going to say about her, but like the honestly, just the turn that Alien takes, like it's hard to watch Alien and think you're watching it with fresh eyes, but like the captain, Dallas, who you feel safe around, who Corey already says, I feel safe when that guy's around. He dies halfway through the movie. And then just the, the pilot who's been just trying to make these hard decisions the whole movie is now basically 
basically the person in control. And she just absolutely takes over that movie. And it, she she acts incredible in that movie. They She gets a nomination for Aliens. The, you know, the next movie um, gets an Academy Award nomination, which I think is just even just a makeup for Alien because she was so good in that. Um, I, I think it's, I think she's incredible. I think every time she's on screen, she rules. She's the best character in the movie. Um, yeah. Ellen Ripley, gotta be. I mean, that's the correct answer. Like, I mean, that's, I mean and, and it's the popular and, answer. <laughs> there is no correct answer. It's all, it's yeah. what you think. It's what you feel. But it's because, like, you're right, dude. Like, you watch Alien, and you're not supposed, like, if you can just wipe your brain, you know what I mean? Try to watch it fresh, how hard that is. But you're not supposed to, like, think she's going to be the one that's going to survive to the end. And, yeah. and, and, and yes, that is a sexist statement that I'm making. I'm trying to make it in like 1979 mentality. It's they were playing against like, you know, well, famously they wrote the characters without actually writing first names. They only wrote the last names. So they could fill it yeah. with the right person, but you know, they were like, well, this is going to be a nice little, you know, twist and everything. And then she becomes, I mean, the quintessential female action hero moving forward. And it's just like, yeah, like, like, wow, like it's and it's because of of alien and aliens, you know, it's it's I mean, it's because of alien. It's it's wild when you think about it, if you try to go back and look at it. But yeah, she's her arc, like you said, her arc's amazing. And yeah, just the way she steps up to the plate and just handles business, you know? Wow. Yeah, yeah my choice for best female. I'm with Dean. Dean, I thought you were going to be the one to throw the curveball. Corey threw the curveball. That was really exciting. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it was <laughs> exciting, yeah. I I mean, I love all the female, especially the female leads in this franchise. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like what's pushing Ellen Ripley over the edge is that she got four shots at it where everybody else got one, right? So you put, um, you know, Numi Rapace in four movies or you put Catherine Watterson in four movies, it could very easily be one of them for me. But Ellen Ripley gets so many chances. Her character's obviously so badass. We've talked about it enough already. That was my choice, Ellen Ripley. Yeah, yeah, cool. I look on the internet a bit, which is a mistake, and I saw that uh, Waters, uh, so Daniels gets a a bad rap out there, and uh, her husband just died at the beginning of that movie. People call her boring. It's like, uh, yeah, get over it. Like, she's going to be really, really depressed in that movie. Her character's not going to have all this life to her. Right. She didn't have a lot of, like, positive energy, but why yeah, would you? That's like, you're not her character. Yeah, exactly. she rules in that movie. I love her. It was when her husband burned in the cryo thing, right? Yeah. yeah James Franco exactly. is her husband. He's, oh, in, right. he's yeah. in the cryo until he freezes. Or that was... he burns, yeah. Dean, I think that people were probably coming off of um, Numi Rapace's uh, performance in Prometheus because she's yeah. so excited to see her yeah. creator. She's got all totally. this bubbly energy. And then you come to the next movie and you don't get that. But maybe people were expecting that. But yeah, her husband just got burnt alive in front of her. Yeah. yeah. Why would you and be then excited or ener energetic? Her husband gets burnt alive and then she comes to the bridge and is like, I will do work now. And I'm like, this is the biggest hero I've ever seen. Her husband right. just died and she's going to be doing work. She's not in her room, just like giving up on life. Excellent. Honestly, that death is one of the most brutal deaths in the entire franchise, to be honest sure. with you. Actually, Covenant has some of the worst deaths in the entire franchise as a whole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. 
Brutalist. Okay, let's move on yeah. to favorite synthetic. Hmm. Corey, who do you got for favorite synthetic? Well, I'm not going to throw you a curveball here. I got to go with Bishop, you know, and, and it's and it's because one, one scene specifically, it's when the the at the very end, the bay doors are open, everything's getting sucked in, Newt is screaming, Bishop, and he kind of grabs her, and I love that. I don't know why she, she yells for him, as if like a real friend, not like a, a robot. And that's when we all realize that he's a real friend and not just a robot. And it's and it's great because they they spun it, you know, like, okay, the last movie the android was was evil. And so, but now he's like, he's so good. You want he's like almost like Superman. You want to have him around you. You know, it's not it's not something you can ever live up to be because it's it's impossible, but it's just there's something comforting knowing that like he will always try to protect you and that's almost like having a t800 as as a as a you know a guardian it's like he will he will never put you in harm's way and and that's awesome and all but at that end scene man yeah he gets ripped in half fucking queen takes bishop and uh, rips him in half but i love newt yelling for him as if he was a real person and he saves her and i love that so much it gives me goosebumps every time i see it Awesome. Oh my goodness. Is it too late to change my answer? <laughs> you can do it, Tim. You can change your answer. That was beautiful. That was Thank beautiful. You. <laughs> it's it's almost like I've thought about this movie before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who do you got, Dean? Uh, mine may be a curveball, may not be a curveball. I feel like for me it's not, but Tim, you might think it is. Uh, my favorite synthetic is Ash. Okay, that that's not what I was expecting. That's perfect, though. Let's hear why. It's Ash again, because when you watch that movie and you don't have sort of the knowledge of what's going to happen in it, it's incredible that this he's just playing as sort of the science guy who's just really interested in the science. He just wants he's doing kind of things that aren't he's not obeying orders, but it could just be the you know, the the guy who's interested in the alien life form and he just wants to get that on the ship so he can study it. And then you have this horror, you have this monster running around your ship and it's one of your own that you didn't know. You didn't know who he was who ends up being also a threat and ends up attacking you and getting you in, in a very serious situation where you could be killed by one of your own, even though this entire thing has been happening on your ship. I just think it's... I, I love it. I love the idea in the movie. It 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 throws it would throw you for a loop if you didn't know what was gonna happen, if you hadn't seen the movie a hundred times like I have. So I, I just love it. I love Ash and I think Ian Holm is absolutely incredible when he's doing that, when he's flipping out in that scene and he's being uh, a synthetic in that scene. I, I, it's incredible. I, I love it. When I was a kid, what you know, like in high school and shit and like you know, when you have nothing but free time and no worries about anything, I would you know take extra long showers and sometimes I'd put the water in my mouth and I would spin around in a circle like Ash and go, rah, 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 you know, just like yes. pretend. And then I put water in my mouth again and pretend like I was Bishop and you know just like, but yeah, dude, Ash always like it will always hold a, a spot in my heart because every time he, I've seen the movie a million times, I've seen Alien a million times. Every time he turns, I'm always like, oh my god, it's 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 yep. it's shocking. You know, you you really don't see it come. And Ian Holm just does a an amazing job with it. Yeah. Well, those are a couple of great answers because, yes, Ash in the first one, you don't see it coming. 
right? They're already so dominated by this creature. They need assistance. They don't need people plotting against them. Mm -hmm. And that's what ends up happening. There's a synthetic on board that is also against them. So how are you going to come out of this with an alien and a synthetic against you? It's really great storytelling. Then you move on to aliens and we're expecting Bishop to be the same type of son of a bitch. And we don't trust him, Corey, possibly up until that moment. And then you just realize, no, he's not an asshole. He's not a bad guy. He is a good guy, like they're saying. And that's the moment where you need to feel comfortable with that character because you need him to help. This is the moment he can't possibly turn on you because there's no other options. We need his help here. And he comes through. So I, I love both of those answers. For me, I had to go with David, though, um, for, for different reasons than you guys. It's it's the whole philosophy and ideology of the synthetics and learning a bit about their story. And Corey, I know that's one of the things you're not fond of in the prequels is kind of digging into some of these ideas. But I just lo- I loved it. I, I thought it was so interesting getting the synthetics take on everything because they are a big part of this franchise. You've got the humans, you've got the xenomorphs, you've got the aliens, and you've got the synthetics. And maybe for me, I gained a bit more of an understanding because I played through the Alien Isolation game, which does have a very big um, synthetic presence throughout the game. So you learn a lot more about them. And yeah, his character really captivated me. I just love kind of listening to his explanation of things and you know ultimately he's a he's like a degrading program and he's he thinks he's right but he's not right he's just got his own ideas about things and unfortunately he's going out on a ter- like a terrible car wreck he's going out on a spaceship car wreck <laughs> yeah. by the end of things cuz he what he thinks is true and right and just is not it's just his faulty programming so i I liked his arc yeah and and i mean here's the weird thing i like a lot of the stuff that prometheus puts forward i just it just didn't jive with my idea that that you know what i love about alien is that it's one trucker who just finds another truck broken down that happens to have some shit in the back that's bad you know i like the simplicity of that but I do really like the ideas and, and, and concepts put forth in Prometheus and Covenant. I like this, what the synthetics, the questions he's asking, you know, he's like, what would you do if, you know, if you found your maker? And he was like, or, you know, the whole thing in Prometheus where he's like, uh, what you guys know better than I do. Um, oh, why he made, they made us cause they could. And then, you know, and then David's yeah. like, how would that make you feel if, you know, anyways, you guys know it better. Um, I like all of that stuff. I actually really like that that philosophical sci-fi stuff, but I just wish it wasn't in an alien franchise film. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would love the movie to be 100% the same, just take out the alien franchise factor and keep, yeah. I would be cool keeping the engineers and even keeping them looking like it's still connected to alien. I just don't want my xenomorphs in it. That's yeah. all. Yeah. I think I think that's echoed by a lot of people. A lot yeah. of people that didn't like it, it it's for the same reasons. Yeah. yeah. And and it's also probably because I've I've just read so many com like I had my own headcanon for so long that it was for hard sure. for something else to kind of come in there. And I do 
agree that that's it's a me thing. That's on me. You know what I mean? Right. That's and that's why I love Prometheus so much because that's exactly when I got into the movies as right before Prometheus. So I just watched them all up to that, then went to the theater and I was like, "Cool, this is what happens. I love it." See, well, one of these days I want to hear your take on uh, some of the Dark Horse uh, story arcs. For sure, for sure, man. Okay, we're going to rapid fire a few questions here. So, Dean you know what rapid fire means, right, Dean? We've done this before. I've said that it's the rapid fire round, and then you go yes. into this super long explanation yes. about yes. why you like it. That's not what rapid fire means. Okay. Face hugger. <laughs> okay. Wow. Whoa. A- alien mean, warrior. I didn't even ask. What's Whoa. Okay. You said rapid <laughs> fire. It's Jeopardy. This is like Jeopardy. Uh, the question what, was... What is, wait, wait. What is favorite version of the creature? <laughs> amazing. Amazing. That was the next question. Dean, okay. Dean's got the face hugger. Yes. Wow. Corey's got the warrior from Aliens. Yep. I'm going with uh, what's called the Deacon, which was the creature in Prometheus that birthed out of the engineer because holy fuck, Corey, if you think something that births out of a human is considered a warrior, what about one birthed out of an engineer? Yeah. I want to see more of that. That's the ultimate warrior. I would like to see that as well. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The ultimate warrior. Yeah, exactly. That's mine. <laughs> okay. Um, Corey, favorite birthing scene? Alien, Kane's son. Love it. Dean? Yeah, I, I'm the same. Uh, alien, Kane. Cool. I am going with uh, the Neomorph in Covenant, where it comes out of the dude's back. Mm. It's in this super clean white room. Everything's pristine. We've never seen it come out of a back before. It's disgusting. It's bloody disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Most underrated film, Dean. Resurrection. It fucking rules. It's so good. I know it's second last on my list, but it absolutely rules. Alien 3. Uh, Assembly cut. Alien 3 for me as well. Dean, I'm with you. I'm with you, dude. Like... Alien Resurrection is my number six, but it is an excellent movie I love to watch. There are no yeah. bad movies on my list. That just happens to be at the bottom, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's not great. That doesn't mean I don't like it. But I, I do think Alien 3 doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. It's the first one people will just push off and like push aside and just say that one sucked. But, you know, revisit it. Now... This doesn't have to be rapid fire. We can we can take a little bit of time with this one if you want. I want to know if you could make one change to the franchise, what would you change? Corey, go ahead. Well, I I guess, you know, my my wish is that Newt would live, right? That that would be my wish. But realistically, you know, like I, I want to sort of keep everything kind of the way it is. So mine's kind of a broad one. But I've heard most like spoken multiple times that it is canon that Alien and Blade Runner takes place in the same universe, at least in Ridley Scott's head, it's canon. So what I would like to see from the franchise, more connective tissue to actually make that a reality. 
That's what I would like to see. And I will say that there is connective tissue in Blade Runner 2049, wherever the sequel is called. I love that movie. It's fantastic. Boring, boring name. Um, but uh, you see at the very climax when they're sort of flying in the water, uh, you know, they have that fight that's kind of in the water and the water's kind of rising. But when they're flying over the city, there's a shot where you see a ship that looks like the Salako. It's one. It's like that style of ship. And I saw in the theater because I couldn't even miss that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can see that a mile away. I know the shape of that ship. And I was like, holy crap. And then, yeah, he's come out and said that in his head, they are a shared universe. And so I would love to sort of see something really tie it all together, Blade Runner and Alien. Oh, I love that answer. That's great. And I, I do know that Ridley Scott... In Alien, in Blade Runner, in Prometheus and Covenant, he has inserted the same image in all four movies. It's an image on a computer screen about some issue with a ship or something, and it's in all four of his movies. He's made a point to put it in all of them. So he, okay. in that way, he is tying it together you know, in a, in a small, small fashion. And it makes sense because in the Blade Runner world, it's like a world that was like so massively overpopulated and then everyone went off world and all that's left is like, you know, you know, not as much of a population. That's why there's so much empty space and, and buildings and stuff, which I think is cool. And that it, it fits. It fits with the alien universe like that it makes sense too. everyone got off planet. It's like I want something that canonically ties it all together. And Blade Runner, it's your it's your synthetics. Yeah. It's like yeah. Yeah. same thing. In just it's, digging into the humanity of synthetics, which I think fits so well into you know his Alien movies. When you start totally. thinking about it, it it does a better job of staying like canonical, like like staying in the universe. It does a better job than the Alien director's cut does. Yes, totally. <laughs> That's very true. It doesn't insert anything that breaks the, the lore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Blade Runner 2049 is just like robots talking to each other about their feelings, which is what I love and is what sort of Covenant was about. It was also about two, two robots right. talking to each other about their feelings. It's, yeah. it, it's there. It's there. Dean, make one change to the franchise. Tim, I actually had nothing. I couldn't think of anything just because... I love everything how it is. So when I thought of like a change to make, I didn't actually like it. I didn't like the change because I like I like how it's evolved and where we're at and how we got here. Um, but then after Corey mentioned this, I guess it's not really a change, but it's a wish. I need a Denis Villeneuve alien movie. Ooh, yes. That's a change. That's a change to the that's franchise. What I New need. director. That's oh, now what I want. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That would be incredible. That would be amazing. Yes. Yes. Wow. Dean. Yes. You win, Dean. You win. Yes. <laughs> I thought I'd like to see more corporations involved beyond just Wayland Utani. Um, I, I feel like in a universe so vast, there's probably more than just one corporation going after this thing. And I thought it would be really interesting to get a bit more development there. Like, have other corporations involved in different movies or have a corporation getting in the way of Wayland Utani in one of the movies, like causing them issues or something. I just thought, I thought if they built on that aspect a little bit more, I never thought I'd say that, but I, I don't know. I just, I think that would be interesting. We got a little bit about that in the, the William Gibson cut. And that was one of the parts of that comic book that I really liked. I thought it was really interesting. And 
I guess the reason I didn't want that previously was because I didn't think it would work. And then I read it in this comic and it totally worked. It worked. It totally fit. They had no problem working that into the story. So I'd be down with seeing another movie and seeing another corporation coming who knows about this species. Maybe they're more adept at capturing it. Maybe they have more information. Maybe they've already captured them. Maybe they're just trying to get this breed or this, this species of it or something like that. I just think there's a lot of room to grow with corporations. Well, and when you think about this movie, we don't really get to see a lot of the world because alien, you're just on that ship. Aliens, you're at Gateway Station uh, for a little bit, but then you're just on another planet, and for the mo- the whole time there, boom. Next spot, you're on, you know, a, a, a mining planet that's now a prison planet, you know. So it's like you really, unlike movies like Starship Troopers, where they do a fantastic job. Vierman does a fantastic job of showing you what the world looks like, and and just you can you get a sense of inhabiting it. But here, you really don't get that to the point where like I was even questioning for the first time like the last time I watched Aliens when Gorman and Burke uh go to see Ripley was she still on Gateway Station or was she like like was that on Earth like we don't actually know because Gateway Station doesn't actually look that big you know to like can you just house somebody like like that? You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. It it hit me the last time I watched Aliens, and it was like the five hundredth time I watched. It, I was like, I think we're actually seeing an apartment complex on Earth, but there's no establishing shot. That's what's so crazy because they just keep you with the characters, and they do that through. I feel like they do that through the entire series. So if anything, I I guess what I would like to see also is just what the world, the universe as a whole looks like in sort of a Starship Troopers manner where you really get to see like how everything is with like the news channels and stuff. And I will say that the Aliens Fireteam Elite game, um, you know, you can learn a lot more about the lore of the universe if you choose to by going to talking to people. You can talk to uh, to your android that's on, that's on the ship, uh, which is really cool because she starts explaining how like, the, like the mother unit works and everything and how they are basically proxies, you know, for the, the mother unit and stuff. And, and just, and like, I, I even learned, like, I mean, maybe I've always known this. I don't know. You know, I take it back. I, I didn't know this, but I never quite understood why, what they were an alien, what they were bringing with them was so huge, right? Their ship is tiny. And I didn't fully understand until I played this game, but that's a full refinery. They have, they, they basically, while they're coming back, and they're in hypersleep, the ores that that were mined are actually being refined the entire time. So when you get back to your destination, they're fully ready to go. You know what I mean? And that's why it's not just two giant, you know, just tanks, you know, of something. It's like it's being refined. And I was like, wow, I'm 43 years old, and now I just realize, like, what what this is. And I'm like, that's so cool. I'm, I'm still learning stuff about this universe. But... Tim, to what you were saying, they do talk a lot about other corporations and, you know, they'll, they'll mention them. And even if they just mention them by name, I'm like, that's cool. Like, I want to know more, you know, like, I want to know who's who's out there and what's going on. You know, it's it's I and, and like the Alien 3 Gibson script. I liked that was probably the best part of it. I want to know what the, the it, it's like out there and, and what the, you know, how it works and everything. But the game does expand upon a lot of that, which is cool. Yeah, that's that. That's an amazing point. I love that. I love the expanse, like expanding of the world, um, because you have this one corporation that is so important and so influential. 
um, you know, I want to know about the space politics. Like, let's open that up. Let's learn about all that. I love that. Um, I don't know if you've either there's a there's a book series and a show called The Expanse, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's all about space politics. Like, that's the entire show, and I I love it. I I love that idea that you know, there's still all this stuff going on, even when we live in space and even when we live on different planets and we're, you know, we're, we're in this refine refinery ship, like all this stuff that it, there it can't just be one corporation after this thing. There's got to be more. I want to learn about the space politics. I love that. I love that, uh, that point. All right, guys, we got two things left to do on this episode. And same as our first franchise wrap up i've got a little quiz for you guys dean this was a first time around it was a quiz for you this time you guys can work together to get the right answer i've got 10 questions from the alien cinematic universe okay Cool. cool how are you guys feeling about this I just dropped this on you. Neither of you knew this was coming. <laughs> Nervous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess I should say, I do make these quite tough. I mm-hmm. made that Predator one pretty tough. This one is also pretty tough. Okay, Let's I do don't it. think you'll go 10 for 10. Uh, curious to see how you'll do. Let's go. Are you going to keep score? Or do we need to like write it down? No, don't worry about that. I'll keep score. Okay. What was Ellen Ripley's job title in Alien? I will give you four, op- four options to choose from. Chief Navigator, Warrant Officer, Flight Officer, Acting Pilot. Corey's got his hands up. And it's Dean and I against the, the, the house, essentially, right? It's yeah. you and Dean against Us the Us two quiz. against the world, Corey. Okay, good, perfect. I love two? it. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think too as well. Warrant officer is correct. Yeah. Yes. After the movie Alien, how long was Ripley at drift for before being found? 52 years? 57 years? 63 years? 68 years? I already knew it in my head right when you said it. One, yeah, 52. Incorrect. It is fifty-seven oh. years. Okay. <laughs> I was I was thinking it's fifty for sure, but uh, I thought fifty-two. Yeah, I thought I thought fifty-two also. You know what? A two looks like a seven. You know what? Maybe you're wrong, <laughs> and Dean and I are right. <laughs> no, Maybe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> possible. I mean, it is possible. She she did drift through the core systems after all. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of Newt's doll in Aliens? Rebecca, Charlie, they're shaking their heads. I think they know this one. Casey, Jenny. I think. Uh, Wait, what was number two? Read number two again. Read number two. I'll read them all. Rebecca, Charlie, Casey, Jenny. Ooh, is it Casey or Jenny? You think it's Casey? I I think, but I mean, you can make the deciding factor on it if you want. I think it's three. I think it's I Casey. like Casey. I like Casey. Yeah, let's go three. Yeah. It is Casey. Yeah, good job, Corey. Nice job. In which movie 
does the drinking bird first appear? Now, do you know what I mean by the drinking yep. bird? Yeah. In which movie does the drinking bird first appear? It's a really hard question. Uh, we don't have, obviously we don't have options. We know, we know all the movies. No options. Um, oh, here are your options. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> great. Thanks. Uh, great. Awesome. Uh, it's in Alien, right? Yeah. I'm we're, fairly we're, certain. Yeah, it is. I think. Okay. We're going to go with Alien. That's my gut. It is in the first three minutes of Alien. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love those first three minutes. They look so good. Mm, so good. What is the correct spelling of the computer called mother? You guys can talk it out. And then when okay. you're ready to answer, answer. It's like M-U dash ma T-H dash R, I believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. M-U dash T-A. I think they dash out the, yeah, M-U dash T-H dash R. There's no so E. Do you mean dash or slash? Slash, yeah, like slash. slash. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, the slash thing. I won't hold you guys to the dash or slash. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever so goes di- the M-U-T-H-R? line that goes diagonal. It's mother. It's M U for sure. M U dash or slash. T H slash. Mother R. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. I have that as the incorrect answer. Mm. Shoot. Is it is it E-R? No, it's U-R. Oh, uh, at the end, U-R. Okay. It is okay. M-U-T-H-U-R. U-R. Mm. Okay. 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 Yeah. Good one. That's that exactly a good where I one. thought you guys yeah. might stumble was the U-R. I would have gone with yeah. just R. Yeah. That's that was a good. One. That was a good question. I like that one. Yeah. In Prometheus, what country are they in? when they discover the 35,000-year-old star map painted on the wall in a cave. Four, four options. Okay, four options. Okay. What, what did you say? Oh, I think it's Scotland, but... That is correct. We don't even have to right. go to the answers. Dean nailed it. Scotland. Finish this sentence from Alien Resurrection. My mummy always said there were no blank, no real ones, but there are monsters. Yeah, you got it again. I had four options, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was from Aliens, not Alien Resurrection. That was Newt. It's Resurrection, huh? Yeah, it's Resurrection. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, that's she's repeating what Newt says to her under the bed. Ah, interesting. Oh yeah, that is a similar thing. Hey, yeah. Yeah, my mommy said there's no monster. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I never picked up on that. Yeah. I never picked up on that. Yeah. So that's so basically she that was genetic memory that she had from Alien. Oh, right. cool. Right. Cool, cool. Well, that makes that even cooler in my mind. Yeah. Sorry, I keep cutting you off before the answers, Tim. Uh, no, that's dude. If you know the answer, you know the answer. Just gotta Fle- flex, flex a bit, those you know? muscles, baby. Yeah. Flex them. <laughs> exactly. I'm wearing a very tight shirt. I'm wearing a medium, and I usually wear larges, so I had to flex a bit. <laughs> I just have you know that I spent a lot of time coming up with creative alternatives that you might fall for, and oh, but it's fine excellent. if you don't want to hear them. It's <laughs> great. In Aliens, how many rounds can the sentry guns hold? I will give you options. 100 rounds, 250 rounds, 500 rounds, 1,000 rounds. 500. It's 500, right? Yeah. Okay, 500 is correct. Yeah. In Aliens, what birthday 
was Ripley's daughter about to celebrate when she left for space? Mm. Seventh, ninth, eleventh, thirteenth. First thing that popped in my head was eleven. First thing that popped in my head was thirteen. Okay. Yeah, hold on. I'm trying to think. Yeah, she was. It was going to be her thirteenth. It's going to be her eleventh birthday. It's going to be her thirteenth birthday. Eleven sounds better coming out of my mouth. Dean, I'll go with you on this one, buddy. I want to go eleven. I'm I'm going with Dean. Live or die. Eleven is correct. Yeah. Nice job. Nice job. That's a tough question. And our last one, number ten. In Alien, which actor or actress had top billing in the credits? I'll give you the options. Tom Skerritt, John Hurt, Sigourney Weaver, Yafet Koto. You think Skerritt? I think I think it's Skerritt, but it could be Hurt. I don't think it's Hurt. I don't think it's John Hurt. It's an because Amer- it was an American movie. And Tom Skerritt was big over here, so that's I'm fairly certain it was Skerritt. That's a good, yeah. That's um, that's good reasoning. Oh boy. Okay. Um. Uh, John Hurt, I think, was bigger though. But I like. Oh, that's tough. This is a good question. I like this a lot. Um. Tom Skerritt. 79. Oh, jeez. I like Scarrett. I like Tom Scarrett. I'm going with Corey. We're, go- we're going together on this one. Right. Tom Scarrett. Tom Scarrett is correct. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Corey. Dean, you were right. John Hurt was bigger at the time. I thought that's what might mess you up yeah. a little bit. Wow. You guys came out with an extremely respectable score of 8 out of Kinda 10. Kind of crushed it. That, I mean, you guys crushed that. We, well we did, done. We did pretty good. We did pretty good. Well right, done. Rightfully so that, uh, that yeah, that Alien and Aliens is our favorite movies. But Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> For yeah, sure. Except we missed still. a question. The two we missed were on those movies. I know. Ironically. <laughs> we missed Mother and we missed 57 Years. <laughs> Do they ever actually spell Mother on screen? In Alien, it's on the computer. And then I believe in... Alien 3, you see it on the screen. It's being okay, typed on right. the screen. And in yeah. and in Resurrection, it's father, right? That was their difference. Mm-hmm. They were going to do something different or something. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Who knows what all that means? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then exactly. in Covenant, the computer was also named Mother, which yeah. some speculation was that it could potentially be the same, the exact same computer system out of the um, Nostromo from Alien 1 because it takes Uh-oh. place... Um, but I mean, what, isn't it kind of like, wouldn't it kind of be like they're all Dells? You know what I mean? Like mother's not the name right. of that one yeah. individual one. It's the name of all the computer types. Sure. Of that. That's one idea. Another idea yeah. is that, no, it is just a specific computer. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like, like with Star Wars, you know, I haven't actually read a lot of the novels and stuff and a lot of this stuff could be answered, but at the same time, it all could go away easily. Like at the end of the day, all that really matters is what we see in the films, you know? Right. Yeah. All right, guys, we have one more thing to do. Cool. And that is to announce the next franchise walkthrough 
that we will be covering on Talking Back. I was wondering if you were going to do this, Tim. I think we have to do it every time. We have to announce okay. the new one. So I don't even know what it Dina's is. I don't no know idea. what this is. He has no idea. I'm choosing this for, for everyone. For, for you, for Corey, for the listeners, I'm choosing it. And we will be going on a journey in search of unlimited power <laughs> as we walk through the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> no, we are not, Tim. We're, We're going to do it. We're going to finally it? do it. Where are you going to start? Are Where you do starting we start? Episode Great question, one? Corey. Where do we start? Or, or I, think, I think we started episode one. Nice. I think That's cool. what oh, we tend to do in the podcast is we like to watch the first movie and sort of walk through it as if we haven't seen any more after that. So we'll, we'll take it that way. Cool. Um, I, I would like to do something a little bit different, though. I would like to send out an open invitation to all the listeners to submit thoughts or comments about any part of any movie in the Star Wars franchise, whether you send in written comments, whether you send in voice recordings, we'll select one or more per episode and discuss them as part of our walkthrough. We just want to know, like, what are some things you loved? What are some things you hated? Um, What did you think went right? What did you think went wrong? We'll use those as talking points. Really, anything you feel like you want to share with us, we want to give you, the listeners, an opportunity to participate and be involved in this walkthrough as well. So figure out what you want to say and drop us a line at talkbackpod at gmail.com, and we will be selecting uh, voice clips and written submissions to be a part of those episodes. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so excited to listen. As a listener, I'm excited to listen to the the Star Wars episodes. Because like I said, you guys, I love that you guys do whole franchises. And I think it's freaking awesome. And I'm so excited that you're starting with episode one. And I love the prequels. And Dean has his, his <laughs> Dean lightsaber. Dean just pulls out a lightsaber. <laughs> he just pulls out a lightsaber. I love it so much. Is that, uh, is that Luke's from uh, Return of the Jedi? No. No. Uh, is... it, it, no, I made it myself. Oh. At, um galaxy's edge okay all i could see was the green so i thought it was i love it that's so freaking awesome dude so Corey, since you're here i'm gonna give you first dibs on choosing a movie to join us on as a guest on that franchise walkthrough i know return of the jedi is your favorite but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the one you'd like to talk about so i will leave it up to you if you have an answer now that's fine if you don't you can let us know but you can choose you got first Right of refusal for an episode. I love you so much. Thank you so much for that. Put me on Attack of the Clones, baby. Oh, hell yes. I love Attack of the Clones. I love Attack of the Clones, yes. guys. Yeah. Put yes. me on there, baby. <laughs> what a call. This is great. This is great. Now that's a curveball. <laughs> Dude, thank you guys so much. Th- thank you for, for giving me this gift of excitement to now listen to the upcoming uh, Star Wars episodes. I am in love with your Mad Max discussion. Uh, I just listened to, well, you just dropped um, the Mad Max 2 aka road warrior episode and i got it i got a gush i got a gush it is one of the my favorite episodes you guys have done i think you guys were fantastic on that episode but i loved the conversation that you guys had about road warrior and i was like 
kind of put things in a new light for me, a movie that I've seen a million times. Uh, that's uh, the, the Mad Max franchise is, is my top five, is a, is a top five franchise up there with, with Tron, up there with Ghostbusters and Aliens and Star Wars and, and Mad Max is up there. So I'm loving it. But guys and gals, if, if you haven't listened to the Road Warrior episode, aka the Mad Max 2 episode, it's so good. It's so good. You guys were on fire that episode. Thanks, man. Well, I was on fire, literally. You were the melting. Studio. Tim was actually <laughs> was melting. 100 degrees. In the middle of summer, <laughs> I, I was melting. I was on fire. Thank you. Corey, you're always too nice to us. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining. And please um, just uh, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, you guys can find me out there on Podcasting After Dark, talking about all kinds of weird cult movies. Uh, there's uh, there maybe a couple um, crossovers, uh, you know, with what you guys have talked about and everything. But uh, for the most part, we get pretty weird and obscure. And of course, you can listen to both Tim and Dean on uh, multiple watch lists and, uh, and everything on there as well. I always love talking to you guys. Have a blast. Uh, and then you can also catch me and our pal Adam uh, every week on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, as well as uh, the spinoff show, Cartwright Presents Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm a lifelong Seinfeld fan, and uh, it's been a blast kind of going down these this magical road of, of Seinfeld. I, I love it. So I'm having a blast. I love your show, and I love everything on the BFOP network. I'm, I'm beyond honored to be in the same network with you guys. Action, action, blast from our past, uh, people don't forget, and, and, and throwback trivia takedown and everything. It's like, it's awesome being surrounded by such amazing content creators and such amazing podcasters. It makes me want to keep my game up and uh, stay on on point because I don't want to let you guys down. It's just, it's awesome. I love, love being a part of this network and everybody on it. I am just, just honored and impressed by. Corey, you are the man. Thank you for joining. Dean, thank you for joining. Tim, you asked for it. Unlimited power! <laughs> I love how... Ha- oh, no, come on. Okay, okay. Oh, God, I love... So, wait, real quick. Revenge of the Sith. I love it because it's one man's best day ever. And, and Palpatine's <laughs> one of my favorite characters of all time. Yes. I love Palpatine. And it's his best day. I love how happy That's so he true. Is. I've never looked at it that way, but that is so true. It's, it's a positive That's everything movie. he's been working for. Yeah. If, it's if like his retirement. It. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you think about it, it's his best day ever and i just love himself it. for once but but everyone but a lot of people a lot of people like revenge of the sith so i want to because i know like a lot of people don't love uh, attack of the clones so i want to i want to bring my love of attack of the clones to that discussion so love it love it well thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time
la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.